الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا وان الله لمع المحسنين صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters in this life of dunya there is this constant battle and this constant struggle between ourselves on the one side and nafs and shaitan on the other side this is a battle that we have to continue waging this is a struggle that we will have to continue with and this is something that will continue till the last breath at the time of death shaitan makes a final effort to try and mislead a person to try and deviate him so up to that moment one cannot be complacent imam ahmad bin hanbal rahmatullah alayhi such a great personality great muhaddith great faqih and jurist he is in his last moments of life and at that time the people around him are reciting the kalima in order to make talqeen in a way to prompt him to also recite the kalima he stays says la they are saying to him to recite the kalima they are not instructing him but they are reciting and he is saying la la Now, this was something of great concern to those around that he is saying la to this talqeen but he was not in a state of complete consciousness at that time so after a while when he still again came back completely into consciousness so his son was there his son asked him that you were saying la we were making talqeen this became a source of great concern so he said i was not talking to you i was not talking to those around me i wasn't saying la i wasn't saying la to the talqeen at that time shaitan appeared in front of me and he said to me that oh ahmad now you have come out of my clutches you are leaving this dunya and i tried to mislead you my whole life but i didn't manage to do so i failed so now you have come out of my clutches so he says that i said la to shaitan that i am still not satisfied and i'm not feeling safe because i still have life left i'm in the last moments but i'm still breathing i'm still alive until i have not left this dunya entirely with my iman intact until then i will not feel safe from you i will not feel complacent i will not feel that i can now relax i will still be concerned that i must not get misled by you and i must not get deviated now such great personalities person of this caliber and this is his concern now this dunya we spoke about 
that this is an ongoing struggle. It's a battle. And these are words which nobody generally feel comfortable to even hear. We don't like to hear these words. Battle and struggle. So we want to hear words like fun, excitement, enjoyment, pleasure, happiness, all these kind of things. Struggle struggle is something very negative in our minds. You're going to struggle, this gives us all kinds of negative pictures in our mind, negative feelings. It's not something we want to be doing at all. Likewise, battle, oh, that's worse. Going to battle, not for me. It's somebody else. So, while these words may not be something that sounds pleasant to us, and likewise, we are all the time waiting to hear things like people in, inviting us towards some fun, towards some enjoyment, and towards some excitement, and towards some leisure and pleasure, and all these kind of things. But it is something to think about carefully, and to analyze, to explore, that what is the reality. If a person is inviting us towards some struggle, that look, you need to struggle against your nafs, struggle against the shaitan, and wage this battle against nafs and shaitan, and do not allow them to deviate you, do not allow them to get into any kind of wrong. So what is that person really inviting you to? What is he really inviting you towards achieving for yourself? Is he putting you into difficulty? Is he going to be putting you into some kind of torment? Some kind of torture? No. He's actually inviting you to liberate yourself from the shackles of nafs and shaitan. And the person who is inviting us towards fun, towards excitement, towards all these kinds of things, what he's actually inviting us towards, the fun and excitement which is of a haram nature obviously, the fun and excitement and the entertainment and all the kinds of things that we get involved in, which Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, which Nabi Islam has forbidden. So what is the person really inviting us towards? Or if it's not anybody in particular inviting us, it's being indirectly we are invited by people, by means of adverts, by means of whatever other propaganda that happens out there, by the media, etc. The reality is that we are being invited towards some shackle, to get shackled up, to get tied down, to become imprisoned in a prison that is very, very difficult for anyone. But the the problem is that this prison is such that the outside of this prison is very, very attractive. There's lush gardens. This is as an example. Now there's a prison. There's lush gardens, very, very beautiful. And the exterior decorating of this prison is something that a person sees it from miles he wants to come closer to take a good look. When he comes closer, he sees these lush gardens, these lawns, these streams, 
and there's all kinds of fruit trees and it's a real, he hasn't seen a park like this. Looks so tempting and tantalizing and really promises so much of excitement. And then there are signboards that for greater excitement you must walk down this direction towards the main gates. So now when a person sees what's outside, what it appears to be, he sees, well, inside might be even more greater and better. Inside might be even more exciting. Inside might be even more of fun and games and whatever. So the person now gets engrossed in this and moves in that direction. And then when the doors of that prison bang behind him as he's entered it, he sees this is a terrible place. All that excitement that seemed to be there outside, there's no sign of it inside here. Inside, this is a very lonely place. It's a very empty place. There's nothing of fun and games here. In fact, it's torture of a different kind. Now, the outside was looking something else, but inside is a very different situation. Now, this is what the invitation of nafs and shaitan is to get into this prison which the outside looks very attractive. The outside looks very, very tempting. But the inside is a torture chamber. Now many a person writes, for example, that they are addicted. Now we hear the word addicted and one thing comes in our mind only. The addiction to drugs, the addiction to smoking, the addiction to drinking, Allah Ta'ala forbid. These are all terrible vices which are becoming rife in the communities. Allah Ta'ala protect us and protect one and all. Allah Ta'ala save us from all these kinds of evils and vices. But these are things that are becoming the problems of the day. So in any case, addiction, we hear the word addiction and this is what comes to our mind. All these kinds of things. But the thing is that addiction is not confined to this. Now there are some people who write about this kind of addiction also. But more than that, there are people who themselves write about the addiction to, for example, social media. Somebody is addicted to YouTube. Now, all this is a tube down straight into so many difficulties. Some people write they are addicted to other evils like music person writes is addicted to looking at haram. Somebody is writing that he is addicted to some kind of illicit contact. Now why is the person writing? Why is the person saying that I am addicted to this? Why is the person uh, saying that give me a way out? Is he still enjoying himself? Is he still happy about it? Obviously there is some turmoil that is happening. There is a turmoil that is coming in. But the fortunate person is the person who has recognized the turmoil. This is fortunate. There are some who, like a blind person, he is in the midst of a dump. It's all the kind of worse filth is around. But he's blind. At the same time, his sinuses are completely clogged. So he can't get the terrible stench either. When he's blind... He can't see. Now he's walking, he's tramping the filth, but he can't see, so he's not bothered. He says, well, I can't see anything, so what's the problem? 
His sinuses are completely clogged. So as a result, he is not getting any of the stench. So he says, but I am not uncomfortable here. I am quite fine. So why are you bothered? Why are you trying to take me away from here? Now that person is in a very, very difficult situation. Allah Ta'ala give one and all relief from all these things. But that is now in a very difficult and a very dangerous point. Because now when the person has become blind to all that, the person's sinuses are clogged and he can't smell that stench, then it's a very dangerous point. But the person who has, is feeling the stench, the person is getting that stench, the person is seeing the dirt and filth, and as a result there's a type of discomfort, there is some uneasiness. Alhamdulillah, this is a sign that there's still hope, there's life, there's spiritual life, that heart is still alive to some point. Now, why is that person writing? And there are many, many people who write to different people for this kind of help. Why they are writing? They are realizing that this is of no benefit to anyone. It is just an outer glamour and attraction, but the inside of it is complete destruction. Some people get caught up, for example, in listening to music. Now this becomes an addiction. Some people looking at haram, this becomes an addiction. And now as time goes, the person realizes, where is this taking me to? People get addicted to looking at haram. Now the days are ticking. The age is going forward. Now there is some proposal coming. Now that proposal is coming, and on the other side, Everybody is looking, mashallah, this is such a wonderful person and she is so apparent. Well, they are looking at our external selves, very, very pious and very good person. And this person, well, whether it's a boy or a girl, whoever, this person, mashallah, in terms of a boy, say, well, he is associating with these people, good, good environment and good company. Sometimes he goes out. In Jamaat maybe, sometimes he's in the Khanqa, he's making Atikaf, and sometimes he's going for this good work and that good work. Excellent, all mashallah. But then the person himself is now struggling with something. That he's now in all these things, but he's not yet 100% committing himself to anything. He's there, just by the way, on the fringes. He's trying, but he's not taking the ilaj. He's going, he's walking around outside the hospital, so the people see him around the hospital too. He also wants to cure himself, but he's walking around the hospital or he goes and sits in the waiting room of the doctor's surgery for a while and then he's gone. But he's not taking the treatment. He's not bringing the issue to the fore. He is not discussing his problem. He is not asking for the medication. And if he's getting some medication, if he's come to that point that he's not prepared to take the medication, so then where is this going to finish off? A person takes the medic, comes to the doctor, even explains what the problem is, then takes that medication from the doctor, pays for it, and then goes and puts it on the shelf. Maybe the shelf might start feeling better. Maybe, Allah alam, that the shelf might start feeling little better. It might start feeling healthier. But the sick person is not going to get any benefit out of that medication on the shelf. But now, worse than that is also that the person who doesn't even think he's sick, Number one. And then maybe the person knows he's sick, but he's not ready or doesn't want to ask for any kind of treatment, go to someone for some help and treatment. So the 
result of that is that that ailment and that sickness gets worse. Now the person is trapped in this cage, in this prison. And now there's a proposal now. Now some girl got caught up in these things. She's looking at something she's not supposed to look at. She's caught up in some Facebook and some other social media and she's communicating with A, B and C and whoever. Or she's listening to music, she's listening to some other things. Now this proposal came and the proposal came on the surface of things. So now family is all very excited. So now she too gets caught up in that excitement. Nevertheless, the person is a good person that has proposed apparently. So now she's also ready. Now suddenly before she knows it, she's in this new phase of life. Now this new phase of life has started. So the first few weeks, first few months, there's a totally different life now. So everything takes an adjustment for a while. But after a month, two months, now everything has started becoming quite normal in terms of day-to-day life. So now the old things hadn't been treated. The old thorns hadn't been removed. The dirty and filthy things had not been cleaned out. So all that is lurking inside. And now something just sparks it again. So now the person by chance heard something. Now that music all started ringing back in the mind. Now that was by mistake that the person heard something, but that triggered off everything because it's all day inside, still lurking in there. It wasn't removed, it wasn't treated. So the result of this is, the person just falls headlong into it. Now the person is caught up on the social media. So one day, one week, everything was going fine, but now I need to be in touch, I need to communicate, because this has become an addiction. I need to be looking at all these things. So now the person is caught up on it. Now there is some work to do. Now in one's own home, the mother will just make one small noise and carry on with life. But in somebody else's home, they are not going to make one small noise and carry on with life. No, no, life will come to a standstill, Allah forbid. This is a very sad and a very tragic situation. That after a while, so many places, life came to a standstill. Life doesn't come to a standstill in that sense. Meaning the life of that family as a unit. That suddenly started coming to a standstill and then taking a reverse gear. Now what a tragedy this is. And out of what? Out of this phone. Out of the social media. Out of this YouTube. These are addictions. And very often the person knows that this is an addiction. But is not ready to admit it. Just as a person on drugs is in a state of denial. That person is in a state of denial. I am doing nothing wrong. It's just social smoking. They call it social smoking. In other words, as long as you are a so-called social smoker. And I heard this word for the first time. began making me think, what on earth is social smoking? Because smoking is smoking. And especially if it's a drug then is worse. So whether it is any extent, but that is smoking. So what is on earth is social smoking. So that was a big puzzle for me. So I had to inquire from someone. What is this social smoking all about? She says, well, a person who uh, just once in a while, on a weekend, generally this is a story that, no, you see the weekend comes, then now we've got to indulge in some of these things. So on a weekend and so on, we are indulging in it.
or come the holidays, a person is somewhere on a holiday, whatever, then otherwise for the rest of the week he'll be fine, he won't need to indulge in it. So this is a so-called social smoker. So now this became the new term that got coined, to give it some kind of legality, to give it some kind of justification. Well, I'm a social smoker, I'm not addicted. But, number one, it doesn't matter whether a person is addicted or not, what is haram is haram, that's number one. Number two, all this is also a deception of nafs and shaitan. If a person is not addicted, then tell him this weekend you don't touch it. This weekend you leave it. So that is something beyond him, he can't do that. Okay, you go on his holiday, you don't touch it. He can't do it. So he's an addict, one person is a 100% addict, he's a 60% addict, both are addicted. Both can't do without it. One person can't do without it daily, the other person can't do without it for more than a week. Both are addicted. Now that kind of addiction, the first person might even accept that he's addicted. The second person is in a state of denial. That person is in a state of denial that he's got any addiction. Now when it comes to the aspect of drugs, then we all, we understand this to a point, but it affects somebody else, then we understand it. That that person is an addict. But, just as there is this addiction to drugs, and there are some people in denial about that addiction, but when the person is in denial, the other point is also, before going on on this note, that the person who is in denial, everybody knows what is the outcome of that. The person who is in denial, that just starts getting deeper and deeper, and then the day comes, Allah forbid, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, where all the denial then just explodes. He used to give an example which might be a little bit uncomfortable for us to hear it, but these examples drive the point home. So he used to give an example, this is just as a parable, as an example, that one person had a serious stomach ailment, and as a result, he was prescribed to eat very, very bland food, very, very simple food, because otherwise... It's a problem for him and he must not eat anything spicy, anything. So, he just couldn't do without this. And anyway, there's a dawad, so he should conceal this condition of his. And he's there first, first in line. When it comes to a dawad, then he's first in line. Many of us, unfortunately, when it comes to some function, some dawad, some occasion, then we are first in line. And when it comes to work, comes to some kind of now cleaning up, doing some chores at home, doing all this, then we are very tired, and we are very, very occupied, and we are very busy, and all these things. But if at the very same time, when we are very occupied, and very busy, very tired, somebody came to say there is a party next door, forget next door, somewhere else too, we want to make the arrangements, we want to get there, then suddenly everything is fine. So in any case now, this person, Hazrat used to give this example, he used to be first in the line, and he's sitting there, and he is just packing away everything, all the spicy food, and the samosas, and the kebabs, and whatever else, and all this was very highly detrimental for him. But he never ever made it known to anyone, because he didn't want to lose out on all this food. If he tells people that this is his problem, or he mentions it to someone, then they're going to tell him, no, this is bad for you, you shouldn't come. They won't even invite him. 
So any case now this carried on, but now as this was carrying on, his system was weakening even further. Every time he eats, and then as soon as the dawat is over, he has to now rush out. Rush now, and go and sort himself out, because now his stomach is rumbling and tumbling. So now he's eating because he can't stop himself, the temptation is too great, he has to be there and all this food and the aroma and whatever else. But then he's barely eaten and he's now running to the bathroom. But as this carried on, one day it became such that while he's now busy packing up everything, and the next thing, he missed himself right there at the Dasar Khan. Now, obviously, what an embarrassment this was. What a kind of disgrace it became to him. And every person was now talking about it. Look at what this person did. Right there in the midst of that Dawud. And this was the end result of everybody had to wake up and run from there. But what was the point here? The person, number one, wasn't interested in treating himself. Number two, the treatment required some abstention. He didn't want to take that. And he was denying the reality. He was in denial that I have a problem. No, no, I'm in control. I will eat and everything will be fine. So the denial finished off in this situation. That it left the stink that everybody now was really disgusted about. The same applies here. One is the denial in terms of drugs. Everybody now understands that this is a bad thing and this will take the person to this kind of end result. But the same thing applies to the addictions to social media. The addiction to this YouTube, the addiction to Facebook, the addiction to all the other kinds of things that come and go, the addiction to listening to music, the addiction to looking at haram. And all these things doesn't matter whether a person is addicted or not. Number one, Many people are addicted and they are in denial. And there are those who may not necessarily be so-called addicted, but any amount of this is haram. And what is haram is haram. It doesn't matter whether a person is addicted or not. But the point is that even those who believe or feel or think that they are not addicted, they are. But this is where it's heading now. That now this proposal came, the person got married, but now how long does, does this addiction get concealed? For how long can a person now stay away from an addiction? Not long. Then slowly first secretly hiding. But now somebody looking away, so and so, some work to do here. I make some excuse, no, no, I wasn't feeling very well. Meanwhile they are hiding and looking at something. Or they are under the blankets and they are listening to something. But now how long will that carry on secretly? Then somewhere that gets exposed, the stench of it reaches everybody's nose. Now everything, the whole, every, the whole roof comes down now. So what was the problem? The problem was, number one, that we started experimenting with haram. We started experimenting with the things that we shouldn't be involved in. One thing led to another, it became an addiction. Then we were in denial. And that denial led to this major destruction. So it started on day one. Now the whole purpose of this discussion is, number one, that we need to recognize the danger of these things. Don't touch it. Don't play with fire. The first thing is, that we must recognize this danger. If, with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala, we have been away from these things, we haven't been involved in listening to music, we haven't been involved in looking at haram, 
we haven't been involved in social media, then don't touch it. Don't see that beautiful prison, meaning the outside of it. What lush gardens and people are seeming to be so happy here, so they must be happier inside. Don't ever go near that prison. It's got a very, very attractive appearance, very attractive outer decorations. But when you go past those gates and it clangs behind you, Allah forbid then is a very difficult one. So, the first thing is, don't go near it. Don't go anywhere near it. But the second thing is, Allah forbid, Allah forbid, if we have fallen into any of these things, the first thing is, that there is never a moment of despondency, of hopelessness in the life of a mu'min. We don't go near it. Stay far away from it. Don't touch it. It's fire. It's burnt so many people. It's burnt their marriages up. It's burnt their dunya. People lost their businesses. They lost what not. As a result of not just drugs. All the other addictions also. People have lost so many things. And Allah forbid some have burnt up the akhirat. Allah Ta'ala give us all tawfiq of sincere tawbah. So on the one hand, don't go near it. Don't touch it. Don't even get close to it. وَلَا تَقْرَبُ الزِّنَا إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَا The Qur'an Sharif speaks about severe and major crimes that don't even go near zina. Now all this is what leads up to these kind of evils. So don't go near it also. That's a one point. But Allah forbid, Allah forbid that if somebody got caught up in these things, if somebody has fallen into it, then too, as long as there is life, there is hope. But, when a person has fallen into quicksand, so now the person is sinking in that quicksand, but he's smiling away, and he's very, very sounding, trying to look like very happy, smiling away. So somebody on the shore sees him to say, well, this person seems fine, everything seems okay. We have never heard of something like that. The person in quicksand shouts at the top of his voice. person who was swimming and suddenly is drowning, then he doesn't like request somebody on the shore, anybody out there please, can you come and help me? I will be greatly appreciated and your help will be a very big uh, assistance to me. So I humbly request you to please come. The person got no time for all this humbly request at that time. And please anybody can come and help me. He's shouting at the top of his voice, please come now. And I'm drowning. So when there's some aspect of dunya that is in danger, our life, physical life is in danger, then we are immediately looking for somebody to help us, we are immediately turning for help. So on the one hand, we are not in denial at that time, but at the same time we are seeking the help also. So likewise, when this destruction of deen we can see happening, then it is not a time to be in denial. Allah Ta'ala open our eyes out, open our sinuses out, that we can see the filth that we have fallen into. That we can see the filth that we have to run away from. That we get the stench that makes us feel very, very nauseous and uncomfortable there and makes us want to run from there. That feeling of that stench, being able to see the filth in it, that too is a very big step ahead. So in any case, then what is required is to now immediately seek the help. There is no need to lose hope. But we don't sit quietly. 
We don't sit without any effort. That person will be doing whatever he can to come out of that problem and difficulties in, to get saved from that drowning, to get saved from that quicksand. We cannot afford to be sitting quietly and waiting for something to happen. Something will work out somewhere, but we do nothing about it. No. Immediately we turn for help. To who we turn to help? For help. So there are always people around who will be able to assist us. In our case, inshallah, there will be some or the other of the Muallimas who we have some kind of confidence in, who we feel very comfortable discussing with. So there is somebody or the other who we find that we have that rapport with. It might not be that we have the same rapport with everyone, because everybody's natures are different. Somebody will have the rapport with someone, somebody with somebody else. So whoever we feel we have that rapport with, we have that confidence in, then we need to, in a very appropriate manner, seek the help. And then we will be given the help. The help, when a person comes seeking for help, that person is never looked down upon. That person is given respect rather. That here is a person seeking to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Here is a person seeking to run away from nafs and shaitan. And when a person is seeking to run away from thieves, that everybody is ready to help. But a person wants to be friends with the thief, that becomes a different situation. Now here somebody has come asking for help, that person has come to seek the help to run away from the thieves of nafs and shaitan. Everybody will be happy to help. So in any case, that's step one. To turn to somebody to assist us to come out of these predicaments. Number two, on our own strength as well, there are many things to do. But generally, if we try to do this on our own, without guidance, without help, it will be short-lived, generally. Illa mashallah, but generally it is short-lived. That josh will be there, that fervor and drive will be there for one day, two days, and then before we know it, we are already slipping back into where we were. So it won't be with that, that intention will be genuine, the toba will be sincere, the person will be truly wanting to move forward, but without that guidance and help from somebody, generally, by and large, this is short-lived. So, we should seek help and do all these things in the light of the guidance and the help that we will take from someone. But in any case, these are the things that we need to then turn to. One is sincere dua, daily. Somebody, for example, is caught up in listening to music. Somebody is caught up in looking at some haram. Somebody is caught up in some illicit contact and relationship. Somebody is caught up in some other filth and dirt. Whatever it might be, all this is filth and dirt. It is terrible filth. It stinks. Just that our sinuses get so clogged up, we don't get the stench of it. But it all truly stinks. Those haram glances, they have a terrible stench. The lie, it has a terrible stench. In the Hadith Sharif, it's mentioned the person lies. The Malaika flee away to the extent, the Malaika of Rahmat, they flee away to the extent of one mile from the person due to the stench of the sin, the lie that he has spoken. So lying is a terrible thing. Now likewise, all the other sins. So one is that a person is caught up in something, whatever it is. person now has this concern, how I'm going to get out of this, when I'm going to get out, so now we are planning and thinking, no, the one work starts immediately. What is that work? Daily, every night. Before we go to bed, 
make two rakats nafil with the niyat of salatul tawbah and salatul haja two rakats and read short surahs also doesn't matter read surah al asr and inna atina kal kawsar surah kawsar these two surahs two short surahs but read it properly one is to say to somebody that now you read surah baqarah in the first rakat and surah ala imran in the second rakat so now by the time you finish giving him the prescription he already got tired Merely mentioned to him Surah Baqarah and he's panting already. Now we are weak. So chalo, read Surah Asr and Kawsar. These two surahs. So how long that will take? The two rakats nafil performed properly. Reciting the tasbihat, three tasbihs only in ruku. Three tasbihs in sajda. If a person has the himmat for more, very good, excellent. We saying, must keep it to the manamam also, it's fine. But read it properly. One is a person is reading 20 tasbihs, subhanallah, subhanallah. Now somebody who might overhear it, he doesn't know this person is reading tasbih or the way it's coming so fast that that scene sound, he's thinking whether this person is whistling or something. Now, he can't even make out the person is reading or whistling. Now, that is not the way to read. Read three times, but read it properly. So, the tasbihat properly, the surah fatiha, the surah properly, the ruku and sajda, the qawma, jalsa, all performed properly. Put our heart into it, two rakats, but two rakats. The two rakats performed properly will not take more than four minutes. Properly, three to four minutes it'll take. Short surahs, short tasbih, but properly. After having performed this two rakat, and the same two rakat, that one two rakat nafil namaz, both the niyats, both the niyats in the same rakat. The niyat of salatul tawbah and salatul haja. Both these things are done. Thereafter, we make dua. Now, this is one practice to do daily. We make dua, and in that dua, we Talk to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, I am this very weak servant of yours. I am this extremely weak servant and a very, very, very big sinner. I have broken your commands and repeatedly broken it. And I have repented and broken the repentance and tawbah also. Ya Allah, I am repenting again. Ya Allah, I don't have any guarantee for tomorrow what's going to be the outcome. I cannot even promise that I am not going to do this again. I am making the intention, but I am so weak, I cannot even promise that I am not going to do it again. Though I don't want to do it again. But Ya Allah, I am turning to you to help me. You forgive my sin, and you help me to stay away from this. What happens tomorrow, that's tomorrow. But Allah forbid if it happens tomorrow again, before sleeping the night, do this again. This is the prescription of Hazrat Mawashavali Thanvi Rahmatullahi. And he says, look, this is now, we're coming, we're cutting it down to the bone. That we are bringing it down that you're not even sure about, you're not even making a promise for tomorrow. You have the intention that inshallah I'm not going to do this again. But you're not even making a promise for tomorrow. But you're not giving up repenting for today. And seeking Allah Ta'ala's help for tomorrow. And he says, do this daily. Do it day in and day out. And then you see whether this does not start bringing the turnaround. But don't miss it out. Don't miss it out for anything. Do it daily. At the end of the day, before going to bed, you make this a daily practice that you are making these two rakat salah. You are begging Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness for the past, for that day that has passed, for the past before that. You are making a firm intention for the way forward, though you are also saying that, Ya Allah, I am so weak, I can't even promise for tomorrow. I don't know what's wrong. I don't want to get to this. I don't want to listen to any music again. I don't want to look at any haram again. I don't want to talk to that or contact or 
communicate with that illicit contact in any way. I don't want to do all these wrongs and evils. Ya Allah, I am so weak, I can't even promise it. But I am not going to, I am making the intention not to do it. Ya Allah, I need your help. What happens tomorrow is tomorrow, that's another day. If we passed away that night, inshallah, we'll go with Tawbah. How often it happens, a person sleeps at night, doesn't wake up in the morning. We make that sincere Tawbah and go to sleep. And if we wake up, if we don't wake up in the morning, we'll, we'll be raised as among those who made Tawbah. So, in any case, that is something which is always beneficial. That istighfar, that toba, provided that it is not that a person is making toba with the firm intention to go back to the sin. He is wanting to commit that sin, he is intending to commit it. Then that toba is not toba. The person is not making any promises because he knows his weakness. But his intention is, I don't want to do it again. Now, as long as that is happening too, it is not without benefit then there are further things now to stay away from it. <coughs> As we said, if a person just tries this on his own, it will help. But generally, it is then short-lived. So, what is required is that a person does this also, but seeks help. And in the light of that help, it will become, he'll become easy to be steadfast on this toba. It will become easy to remain firm on the toba. And in this way, a person will come out of all the things because now the person who is drowning, there's somebody pulling him out. So when he's being pulled out by someone, inshallah he'll make it to the shore. On his own, he'll come few meters and then get washed again by the current few meters because he's holding on to nothing. He's trying on his own. Sometimes he's a very good swimmer, a very strong swimmer, inshallah he'll make it. But the current is very heavy, then it's another problem. So now we need to take the help from someone. And... If the matter is very complicated, they will seek the help from somebody of how to guide us, of how to take us through. But in this way, inshallah, with sincere dedication, with that effort. Now this struggle that we are talking about at the beginning, outwardly it's a struggle. Outwardly it's a mujahada and it's outwardly a, a, a difficulty. But this is the same difficulty that the person has in running out of prison, in breaking from a prison. But once he's broken through, he's free. Once he's run out of that dungeon, he's free. He's struggling to come out of that tide that has caught him, that rib current that has caught him. So he's struggling. But once he's on the shore, ah, he's free, he's safe. He's struggling to come out of that quicksand. But once he's out, then he's perfectly safe. Now this is the struggle. It's a struggle to freedom. Freedom in dunya. Because a person breaks through the shackles of nafs and shaitan, that person is free. Now he enjoys every moment in the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. And his life becomes a pleasure. With the challenges of life, he is still at peace. Now this is what we are all aspiring for. And this comes via this mujahada against the nafs and against shaitan. And then the sukoon is what is felt. And a person then doesn't even want to go anywhere near to touch to touch all these things and all these evils, he wants to stay far, far away from it. So, this is what we need to be very, very conscious about and we need to make this effort that we do not get caught up in all these things. We turn to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala and we turn to somebody on the level of means, we turn for help to somebody who may be able to guide us and take us forward. May Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala guide one and all. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Let that enable us to fulfill this very simple prescription.
daily every night. This two rakats nafil with this dua in this manner. And we make the dua for 3-4 minutes. A lot of cry to Allah Ta'ala. And then we see how this turns things around for us. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله